0: Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. It's time. We teased it earlier in the week. Mike Jurecki's top 50 draft prospects. He's done the homework, and today we'll unveil numbers 41 to 50. And remember, this is regardless of position. First, though, with the 2021 NFL draft coming into focus, what are the position the Cardinals should target? A lot has already been addressed with free agency, but there are spots on this roster that either, one, need to be filled, or two need more depth. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 412, and it starts now.
1: Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side to Fitz, caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown!
0: Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Three weeks, MJ. Three weeks from today. I can already see you smiling. The 2021 NFL Draft. I know for you, MJ, this this is your wheelhouse, if you will. And I saw it firsthand a couple of years ago when we were allowed to go to Indianapolis and the scouting combine. And Bird Gang, if there is ever the picture of the proverbial kid on Christmas morning or the kid in a candy store, that would be Mike Jarecki in Indianapolis during the scouting combine.
1: Well, it's just the NFL, uh, you know, convention, so to speak. I mean, it's the who's who of the NFL. You're talking owners and general managers and head coaches and position coaches and guys that we've covered over the years, and so it's just a lot of uh, gathering information. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you know, we don't know what the team's going to do, and you see all these mock drafts; they don't know what they're going to do. Um, so each each team is going to have players ranked in, in in different categories and tiers. And, you know, you, you always hear, well, if the Cardinals move down in the first round, they're going to get the fourth corner. How do you know he's ranked the fourth corner on their board? We don't know that. We know Justin Jefferson was ranked very high last year. We know uh, Andrew Thomas was ranked high. We know Josh Jones was in order to get him in the third round. So, you know, I, I, I only follow a few mock drafts and, you know, you look at guys that have been doing it for a while. But at the end of the day, they just don't know. What they do is they take team needs and usually post free agency and they try to, you know, ID the player where he's worthy of going. So, it, it it's fascinating just because I think they have to change it up every couple of weeks. You can't be uh and they they hear things, but Daniel Jeremiah is a former scout and so was Bucky Brooks. And Jeremiah worked for the Ravens organization, so his, his, his mentor, his tutor was Ozzie Newsome. And we know how well the Ravens have done in the draft and how well, you know, they only have one Super Bowl to show for it, but they're a team knocking on the door under John Harbaugh. So uh, I, only, I look at a few, but I also just look at names. Bob Ferguson, former general manager, taught me a long time ago, don't worry about the teams, just rank the players.
0: And we'll get into your rankings on the top 50 draft prospects. A couple of other mock drafts I do want to point out because we do look at, at least for me, a handful. Mel Kuyper Jr., who really... (laughs) if you want to say, the godfather of mock drafts and really turn this into an art form. And then his colleague, Todd McShay at ESPN. And then there's some others. But, I mean, everyone and anyone has a mock draft. And it's a great exercise. It's a guessing game. And it's much like Major League Baseball. Your success rate, if you hit on 3 out of 10, you're batting 300. That's kind of what a mock draft is. There's 32 first-round picks. If you get, what, maybe 8 right? Now you're looking at 25% as far as picking the exact player with the exact team in the exact slot. It is almost impossible, but it has certainly captured everyone's attention, not just those that follow the NFL, but everyone, because as you said it, you follow these prospects for four years, three years, maybe two years, then all of a sudden, where do they go next? My favorite team, where are they going to go? I watched this kid in high school and then college. Where's he going to play next? So it's a lot of fun. And much like pro days, it's, you know, you can take it for what it's worth, at least for me. It's a very inexact science, as is the draft. But hey, tis the season, and we will dive into it here on Cardinals Cover 2.
1: Yeah, Bucky Brooks, Mel Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay, uh, Lance Zirline. You know, uh, his father was a head coach in the NFL, including the Cardinals. So, you know, there's different ones I sample, and everyone's got, you know, different, um, you know, information. But the problem is, Craig, and I feel for the players, because at the end of the uh, – when we get to the next two and a half, three weeks, we're going to have 45 guys that are, are going to be listed in mock drafts over a period of time. and that And that, to me, is coming from the agents or scouts. Scouts say, hey, we really like you. If you're there, we're going to consider you. The problem is scouts aren't making the picks. Their job is to obviously ID the player, background checks, and, and according to Ian Rapport, about 150 players are going back to the combine or Indianapolis for rechecks. So the scouts aren't making the players, and then you have agents that leak stuff. Oh, we now in this case, we they'll say they'll, they'll leak it to Rappaport or somebody and say, we're visiting the Cardinals today. We can't do that this year so and i feel for the players because they feel like they got and, and i get it they go into the league thinking they're one of the top 30 players you could be a third round pick tom brady a six round pick and you're still gonna have a good career but they go into the league with a chip on their shoulder because they were told they're going to be a first round pick and now they're disappointed so whatever it takes to to play at the next level but i feel for some of these guys because they hear this stuff and they think they're going to be a first round pick they had a party. And then everyone has to go home on Thursday night and then come back Friday and they got to put a face on knowing hopefully to hear their name on Friday because that's the second round.
0: I'll always remember the story and Bird Gang, again, we'll get into Mike Jarecki's top 50 prospect list here in a moment, but this needs to be said because it is a great point to what you just made, MJ. Tony Jefferson was told that he was going to be a day two pick and then does not hear his name at all goes undrafted picks the arizona cardinals that's the only good thing about going undrafted then you can kind of look and see hey where can i most utilize my scale set to make the team and credit to tony jefferson and his agency that they saw that the cardinals were really uh, a lack of depth in the secondary specifically at the safety position he chose the cardinals and as we know it was a great match for as long as it was and Right now, Tony Jefferson still on the street, and I thought I heard earlier, maybe a couple of weeks back, that uh, he was hoping to land with the team coming up this season. So uh, one of those good guys in that Arizona Cardinals locker room.
1: I think the team was mentioned. the San Francisco 49ers will have to wait and see. Clearly, you know, he he was trying to come back last year, but he wasn't ready to, to play at a, at a high level. Um, yeah, the NFL advisory board gave him a second-round grade.
0: And then you don't hear your name at all on day two or day three. And that's got to be the frustrating part. And yes, it's a blow to your ego. But I'll give players like Jefferson credit. How do you channel that? How do you use that to your advantage? And Jefferson did exactly that to become not only an NFL player, but a very good NFL player.
1: And your point is well taken. That was when the Cardinals released Kerry Rhodes and Adrian Wilson so his agent at homework what teams need depth or what teams could eventually be a starter and it all worked out for him but you're exactly right they were very thin at that position
0: as a refresher bird gang the cardinals as we speak here on april 8th six draft picks number 16 overall in the first round 49 overall in the second round they have a fifth round selection a sixth-round pick, and two seventh-round selections. So that is what the Cardinals have. Of course, that might change depending on trades, either between now and the draft or once the draft hits. But as we talk about those three days, April 29th to May 1st, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, you've got six picks, MJ. If you play general manager, if you're Steve Kime, what positions do you hope, to say at the end on Saturday night, Sunday morning, all right, I needed to address A, B, C, and D, and I did that with these six picks?
1: Not in any particular order. Cornerback, running back, wide receiver. i like to maybe get a tight end, uh, maybe an interior alignment, because they, they went heavy on defense, um, and it, again, corner, you can never have enough linebackers. So, you know, depending on how many picks in the seventh round, they're going to pick like a certain point, and then they're going to pick like three picks later. So, you know, we'll see what they decide, that you can try to parlay those picks, but I don't know if that's going to work. Um, we know, you know, seventh rounders is going to have a hard time making the team, but those are those are the areas, um, you know, just a cornerback position because Butler's on a one-year deal, you know, Robert Alford technically is, you know, we need to see him healthy and, Byron Murphy still on his rookie contract. Running back, they got to find a pairing. Um, you know, I know James Conner's out there. I don't know what his asking price is, but I, I definitely think that there's running backs in the second and the third round. they got, they got to find a, a pairing with Chase. And then the wide receiver, just because A.J. Green's on a one-year deal, we don't know the, the future of Andy Isabella and Keyshawn Johnson. So, you know, I'm kind of intrigued with JoJo Ward, but he hasn't done it. So those are the areas, and I just think by going out and getting J.J. Watt, re-signing uh, Marcus Golden and then bringing in a guy like um, Malcolm Butler and then adding a couple safeties. I'm not saying they're settled there, but I just think that you know you got to get Kyler some more weapons, including got to get some depth uh, at some of the skill positions.
0: And this is where, if you're the general manager, you're looking at not only this season, but the seasons down the road, looking at your roster, how long are guys signed for, what's their age, can we count on them in 2023, 2024? I agree with you. Cornerback for me is number one. That has to be the priority. And then, yeah, linebacker, defensive line, offensive line, wide receiver, just because you still have a lot of question marks at that position. And then my last, I'm kind of grouping them together, either a tight end or a running back. I'm much like you, I'm intrigued by what you know. Benjamin, Jonathan Ward might be able to do if you line him up in the backfield. I understand getting a veteran, so maybe you don't need to draft a running back tight end. What do you do there when you only have a Max Williams and a Darrell Daniels currently on the roster, or do you add a veteran tight end? Maybe not so much of a need, this season but maybe down the road you're looking at running back and tight end so i could certainly see that but again i don't know how the board is going to fall in favor or not in favor of the cardinals when they're picking at number 16 overall or on day two with that second round pick so all a fluctuation because someone could fall to you that not technically is quote-unquote need but you don't want to pass on generational talent, if you will, where you have that guy locked up for five years or six years, but you pass on that player because, you know what, we're set at that position. We don't need that guy this year. Well, what does Steve always say? Your needs in April are not your needs in October and November. Things change over the course of time.
1: You know, last year, you take away, you know, the offensive players. You know, I don't, the Cardinals, I, 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 I believe they had Isaiah Simmons probably ranked third when it came to you know Chase Young, uh, Okuda, and then and, and then uh, Isaiah Simmons. You know I, I got to think that when it comes to these corners, I'm curious to see how they rank. But you know you take away the quarterbacks and Kylie Pitts, and then Jamar Chase to me are some of the top players. And <laughs> talking about mock drafts, Peter Schrager today came out with a mock draft, and he has the Cardinals trading up. And I've been maintaining and trading down. Uh it would they would have to flip once, offer a number one next year and a number three to get Kylie Pitts. And this guy is being compared to coming out of college, just his measurables and his speed and his his strength. Uh, Mike Evans and Calvin Johnson. So I don't know if they have the the leverage, but I mean you're talking I mean if I was ranking players, take the quarterbacks off the board, I would I would go Pitts. And J- Jamar Chase, like, as the best skill position players, there's a couple linemen that are going to go early. Hopefully a couple pass rushers will go early. But, that, I mean, that's costly. Now, maybe the Cardinals feel like, and this is the way they should feel, maybe they feel like they're a playoff team and that pick will be in the 20s. But that would be remarkable because now you're saying that – because, I mean, we're talking about a guy that – I don't know about his blocking, but you, you can go 12 personnel, you can go – Uh, uh, 10 personnel with another tight end out there and it's all about matchups so um who knows and that's the beauty and you know the the one thing craig is when you were talking about mock drafts quickly here the problem is how it's hard to get it right is because of trades and then again at the end of the day the the guys making the mocks they don't have a they're not 100 percent sure they're just looking at your needs and what makes the most sense so yeah moving up would be Wow, that would be that would be another DeAndre Hopkins trade, another JJ Watt signing, or JJ Watt signing. That would be, that that would be the wow factor.
0: Yeah, to me, I'd be stunned if they moved up and moved up that many spots into the top ten, just outside the top five. Daniel Jeremiah, by the way, in his latest mock draft, has Jalen Waddle, the Alabama wide receiver, falling and we've seen waddle in the top 10 and a lot of mock drafts so and there's another player that you like look you just can't pass up on that much like you brought him up isaiah simmons it wasn't quote unquote a need you signed devondre campbell but based off what simmons you would project him to be grow into and then of course getting him under contract that just was a no-brainer, and we saw that on Flight Plan when Steve Kime, once they were told, hey, you're on the clock, all right, boom, let's go. Isaiah Simmons the pick, let's get it in. It was a matter of seconds before they made that announcement.
1: Yeah, and, and, you, and you can you can also, what, what do we hear about Isaiah Simmons, a unicorn? You know, if we get closer to draft, I want to tell you where, where Pitts lined up. I mean, he lined up everywhere. It wasn't just that he lines up on the outside of the tackles. No, he lined up everywhere. He's kind of a unicorn. So, um, listen, Waddell, uh, I think he's the second-best receiver in this draft. I'd put it right behind Jamar Chase. Nothing against Smith. I think he's got speed. I think they're different runners. Um, obviously, they're all a little bit different skill sets. But, I, yeah, I, if you stay at 16, I, I'd be thrilled with that, depending on which corners are on the board, and then try to get a running back corner in the second round.
0: Waddle a little bit smaller than a Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith, 5'10, 182. And remember, he broke his ankle early in the season, came back to play in the national championship game. And I would expect that he's fully healthy by now, but has that speed and you know, four, three, four, four. But someone that certainly once the ball is in his hands, can just take off and go.
1: And you pointed it out correctly. He is listed as a slot receiver in this offense. He would play on the outside. And then, you know, obviously they're going to roll with the AJ Green. I'm sure you bring in a young guy, he's going to be motivated, but he's listed as a slot guy, maybe because of the receivers they had in college, but in the
0: NFL, he would play on the outside with the Cardinals. Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. A reminder, Burr Gang, if you haven't already, update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com app for more. All right, we've teased it long enough. Time to unveil Mike Jarecki's top 50 prospects. And Bird Gang, we're going to do this over a course of the next several shows. We're going to give you numbers 41 to 50 in this show here today and then as we get closer and closer to the draft again another 10 players we'll talk about and again this is mike Jarecki's top 50 prospects he's done his homework he's looked at the film and again we're all looking at film differently so what you think one player could be a top 20 versus someone else that might be a top 40 but we're looking at 50 prospects because don't forget the cardinals with two picks in the top 50 number 16 overall and number 49 overall. So coming in at number 50 for Mike Jarecki's top 50 draft prospects, cornerback out of Washington, Elijah Molden. He's got NFL blood in his body. His father, Alex, played in the National Football League, and we all know the secondary and the run of success Washington secondary players have had in the National Football League. Elijah Molden checking in at number 50. Yeah, he's got a good size, 5'10",
1: 190. Uh, you look at him, he's a senior coming out. We all know what Jimmy Lake has done, uh, i.e. Uh, Baker and Byron Murphy, and he's put a ton of players in The, the feeling is he's not going to recruit you. He doesn't think you can play in the NFL. What's interesting, when you look at some of his um, and – I'm glad you mentioned about his father. Um, Lance Zerline, who does a good job on NFL.com, him and Chad Reader, um, they do the caps. He compares them to Tyron Matthew, which is interesting. But he says – Legendary level of a football character with deep passionate love of the game, talent and film show potential to play safety or nickel. As you mentioned, his father was a cornerback. He sees the game clearly helping him play faster and then time and speed. Now some of his weaknesses are short and stocky, but for a safety spot, uh, could struggle finding functional uh, recovery speed in certain matchups. Uh, one AFC scout said, "You start to like him more and more when you watch his tape because you, you know how smart and instinctive he can be. So once again, it helps that he's coming from Washington. Uh, I do think he's going to be maybe a you know a first round or second round pick, but uh, I just think his his background, his IQ. Uh, you're going to hear his name probably more when we're starting to talk about forty one to fifty more on the second day than the first day.
0: A two time first team All Pac-12 performer, so Arizona State and Arizona fans, well know about Elijah Molden, who looked like most people have him as a nickel corner, not one of those outside cornerbacks because, MJ, as you pointed out, his size. All right, let's continue. At number 49, an offensive lineman, a tackle out of Notre Dame, Liam Eichenberg checks in at number 49 on Mike Jarecki's top 50 draft prospects list.
1: Yeah, he's he's got good size, 6'5", 302. He's a redshirt senior. The comparison here is Justin Pugh. Okay. Now, he was so impressive in youth football camps that Ohio State offered him a scholarship before his freshman year um, he, when it was in Cleveland. But the fact is, he's a better run blocker than pass protection. Um, he's a three year starter at left tackle, but maybe he has to move to the right side due to his average slide quickness and inconsistencies in pass protection. Um, allows slanting defender to declare before he fits and runs around. But he's got the size. And obviously, when you go to Notre Dame, um, they, they have good competition there. They I know they don't win a lot of national championships, but they do a really good job of bringing in players. And Brian Kelly does a nice job, I think, trying to get these guys in the NFL. So I do think he's going to be a second-day guy. Um, again, he has experience at tackle, but more on the right side just based on his uh, lateral um not lateral quickness but it's more to where playing left tackle you have to have better feet and you make sure you don't want to get your quarterback hit but i do think he'll be a second day guy
0: and this past season a consensus all-american and first team all acc speaking of size at number 48 a defensive tackle out of florida state marvin wilson 6-5 Three hundred and eleven pounds certainly came into college with a lot of hype. A former five-star prospect, second-team All-ACC performer last season. Um, we stay in the trenches at number forty-nine with Marvin Wilson.
1: Yeah, he went to Florida State. Uh, he actually played for Mike Norvell. He's from Houston. He's a senior. Um, he's 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 got good arms, close to thirty-four inch arms, which is good. So you can get some uh, you know attention there. Now uh, there was thing. One thing came up. During the uh, offseason, Wilson alleged in June that uh, Mike Norvell lied about the communication with the team regarding the death of George Floyd. He vowed the boycott practice but expressed unity, and they had a team meeting and he came back and played. So good to see him obviously realize that, you know, I need to be on the field. But his 2019 tape shows signs of what he could become. I don't know if he had the best year he's he's a former five-star recruit who flashed with good power talent motor and back in 2019 backing up the rating however he wore he looks like he got a little bit heavier it slowed him down so teams are wondering he can he anchor and help control the line of scrimmage in a four three or three four so he has his tape's really good from 19. it looks like he put some weight on and he didn't have the season but i i do think when you start looking at trench guys um, is not going to be a household name, but the fact that he played well when he was in there back in
0: 2019. 6'5", 3'11", but that dwarfs when you put him up against who Mike Jarecki has at number 47. Another offensive lineman, another tackle, Spencer Brown out of Northern Iowa, 6'9", 321. Am I reading this correctly, MJ? I mean, that's that's one of the bigger offensive linemen I have ever seen on paper, let alone in person.
1: Yeah, he's got 34-inch arms. He's got hands are close to 10.3. I mean, you talk about getting your hands on you. You better watch out. This guy gets you in the fo- phone booth. You're not coming out. He was a first-team All-State pickup as a prop after catching seven touchdown passes, racking up 17 quarterback sacks. His comparison,
0: Jarrett Valdir. Who I believe, if I remember correctly, was listed at what, 6'8"? Eight? 8, yeah. Okay.
1: Towering tackle prospect with hands, speed, and length in place to become a quality pass protector to the next level. Despite playing right tackle his entire career at Northern Iowa, he has the athleticism to uh, play on the left side. Uh, he's he's excellent in, in uh, when it comes to pass protection, foot agility, explosiveness. So I I think you know he could have went to a bigger school, but he decided to stay there. Um, and that, to me, tells me a lot because you don't hear a lot of guys from Northern Iowa. But uh, the fact is that, you know, he's he's played a ton of games and uh, he was he became the second team All-Missouri Valley Conference selection after a 14-game start of his junior year. So a big body and you can never have enough tackles in this league and whether he plays right away or not, but you can pencil him as a guy in the future.
0: Well, on the athleticism, because doing some research, he entered college as a tight end. So... You kind of maybe grew out of that tight end position to become an offensive tackle, but someone that is able, as you say, to be able to move laterally and then backpedal as well when you're pass protecting. So someone, again, Spencer Brown, offensive tackle out of Northern Iowa, checking in at number 47 on the top 50 draft prospects list.
1: And one to know he packed on weight and muscle over the years but his performance at the senior bowl show that there's still a lot of work to do improving on his core strength and offset the center of gravity so again a work in progress but when you got a big body like that you know you, you got to find out what your what your strengths are Is it run blocking or pass protection but clearly he's athletic considering you know he racked up 17 quarterback sacks and uh, seven touchdowns when he was
0: playing in prep in high school We continue on the offensive line. We've got a run on offensive tackles here on these first five draft prospects. Number 46, Dylan Randas. I believe I'm pronouncing that last name correctly. North Dakota State's. He is, if anything, he is a winner. Three-time FCS champion, also with some good size. But again, our third offensive tackle here in your first five draft prospects as we count it down from 50 to 46.
1: And that's normally what's going to happen. We'll have a couple tackles come off the board Um, in the first round. We'll have a couple interior guys, and then teams will say, hey, we got to go in the trenches here. Um, According to Lance Zerlein, his comparison is to Alex Lewis. He is the son of Bill Lewis. He was with the New York Jets. He was with the Baltimore Ravens. Um, When you look at Dylan, tackle guard prospect with good strength and overall toughness but average athletic traits, even as FCS competition. He, um, he he's up and down, but again, a guy that you're going to look at and say he can play a couple different positions, and you can never have enough of that. He's best suited as a guard using gap and inside zone running schemes. We know the Cardinals do that. He can become a quality back, an eventual starter if he finds his right. Some of his um, some of his weaknesses are the fact that practice habits have been questioned by some scouts. May lack footness to handle NFL speed on the outside. Below average body control, reactive athleticism on the second level, according to a scout. I see him as a guard of the next level with some tackle ability to help out the roster. He needs to mature and develop better practice habits. That was the scout from the NFC team.
0: Six foot six, the uh, tackle out of North Dakota State. All right, let's recap the first five. Going from 50 to 46, cornerback Elijah Molden, offensive tackle Liam Eikenberg, defensive tackle Marvin Wilson, offensive tackle Spencer Brown, Another offensive tackle, Dylan Randa's. As we count it down, MJ's top fifty draft prospects here on Cardinals Cover Two, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. This is fun. I like this MJ because it also familiarizes myself with some of those other names, if you will, and we get focused on the top ten, top fifteen, maybe top twenty. The Cardinals picking 16, you better like at least 16 players. And of course, the quarterbacks, skilled position players get a lot of love and rightfully so. But as our colleague Bertrand Berry likes to say, you have to win in the trenches. And four of your first five here, or bottom five, if you will, as we go 46 to 50, are on the line of scrimmage, either offense or defensive line. All right, checking in, number 45, our first skilled position player, Tutu Atwell, a junior wide receiver out of Louisville, played quarterback in high school, but switched to wide receiver. And he is someone that you have at number 45 on your top 50 draft prospects list.
1: You know, excuse me, I'll be honest. I I looked at Frank Darby here, and I think Darby is going to be a second or third day pick. Uh, I think he's had a nice career. I hope it doesn't hurt him with Nikel, Harry, and. Jalen Strong did, but then look at Brandon Ayuk. So I, I had a, I went back and forth, and you look at Atwell, he's, he reminds me of J.J. Uh, uh, Nelson, 5'9", 165. This guy can fly, though. And the fact is, he's, he's rail-thin slot receiver with electric speed, history of hitting the home run. The problem with him is going to go press coverage. He repeated first-team all-conference accolades in 2020, 46 receptions, 625 yards. 13.6 average. He had a team-high seven touchdowns. So he's not going to get a lot of volume, but when he's in the game, you want to take the top off the defense. So um, a real thin rail guy, uh, but he's got the speed, and it's just a matter of you know his strengths, breakaway speed, home run. Uh, touchdowns 50-plus are piled up throughout his career. Multiple touchdowns on pop passes, which is jet sweeps. He gets out there, easy separation, burst, and turns. You know, had to leave some production on the field due to quarterback play now again all skin and bones he's really has a small frame lacks committed effort working through the middle of the field so obviously a work in progress he will struggle at times um, coming off press coverage but again i did have a hard time with him and frank darby
0: his speed unofficially ran a 4-2-7 40 yeah. yard dash which is amazing yet means nothing if you can't catch the football and I think with some of these speed receivers that becomes forget how fast you are. Can you catch the football and JJ Nelson is a good comparison. He was very good when he caught the ball, but sometimes a lot too many drops and then of course uh, then you become one of those guys that you just can't trust when the ball is thrown your way. So Tutu Atwell at number 45. Another lineman at number 44, defensive tackle out of Iowa, Davion Nixon, 6'3", 305 pounds. Maybe one of the better linemen, offensive or defensive, in this entire draft prospect. A unanimous All-American and the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, and lineman of the year.
1: Yeah, you look at the, his size and, and the fact that you know he's a three-technique who thrives on his ability to penetrate and disrupt the offensive proceedings. He's good at getting skinny and darting into gaps in order to attack the run and cause blocking schemes. He has experience, um, you know. He's slippery with uh, efficient sliding, and when when he has to hit a gap. Um, so again, another guy that's you know he won't he won't be a household name. He's been considered a Ross Blacklock, um, according to Land Zerline, um, that he says he's a day two, maybe uh, rounds two or three. The talent could be a, eventually a starter in this league. So. Once again, just looking at the, you know, not so much the skill position players. We're going to have one or two in here. We already had the receiver. Um, But, you know, you look at it, uh, he was, he began his college career at Iowa Western Community College. He played well there one season for the Rivers. He considered a top junior uh, prospect, but Wisconsin native state in the Midwest instead of taking an offer from Alabama.
0: Now you look at defensive tackle and what the Cardinals did Not only in free agency, but in the draft with Rashard Lawrence and Leckie Fotu, Defensive tackle wouldn't appear to be a need, but I'll say it again, Bergang, as a general manager, you're looking at this. Can I improve my team with this pick? Is he better than what we already have? And then you got to weigh, okay, is it this season, next season, or the season beyond? But that's a name, an interesting name to keep an eye on, especially when you look at defensive alignment. We go back to the skilled position players at picks 43 and 42, 43, wide receiver, junior out of Purdue, Rondell Moore. Now another light as far as stature is concerned, only five foot seven. and he's had some injury concerns, but someone that I know you like at number 43 amongst your top 50 draft prospects.
1: Yeah, he originally committed to Texas, but eventually signed with Purdue with head coach Jeff Brom, who played at the same high school, uh, attended at Louisville Trinity High. Um, you know, he's a guy, slightly undersized slot receiver, makes up for an above average uh, strength and competitive fire that shows throughout the tape. He can beat one-on-one coverage, but still with speed, but lacks the size and length to legitimately challenge NFL cornerbacks on the outside. He's difficult to press, elusive out of his breaks and underneath routes. His comparison... Tyler Lockett.
0: Okay, who just got a nice contract extension from the Seattle Seahawks. So 5-7 would concern me a little bit, but, you know, sometimes big things come in small packages, as we've seen over the course of time in the National Football League. But uh, the other thing would also be the fact that, you know, only seven games played over the past two seasons because of injuries. Not that you want to get that label, but it is something that teams are going to have to do a deep dive on.
1: Yeah, he gets off the snap in a hurry, races top speed and maintains it throughout the route, keeps route in, uh, intentions in a private mode. Uh, some of his weaknesses, lacks desire, game experience, as you pointed out, stronger corners can slow him down at the top of the route, short arms, knees, th- throws put on, on top for him. According to a scout, I absolutely love his game, so much Dog in him. Once he gets the rock, you like guys like that on your team. That was from a scouting director on an NFC team.
0: The other skilled player in the top 50, as far as we unveil 41 to 50, number 42, a running back out of North Carolina, Javante Williams. And I know this is a name that a lot of fans are familiar with because if you look at the running backs in this draft, Williams is there at number three or number four. You got Najee Harris, you got Travis Etienne, and then it's the two backs out of UNC, whether that's Williams or Michael Carter. And if you listen to Ron Wolfley during the week, you know he is in love with these two North Carolina running backs because of their size and the fact that you might be a good pairing with the Chase Edmonds to find someone who is not afraid to lower the shoulder pads and run between the tackles.
1: Yeah, depending on what position to Carlos go in the first round. This to me, I think he's going to be a second round pick. I do think he's after the top two. And it's funny when you watched Carolina film, you, 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 I was looking to watch Williams and then you see Carter, they had close to 3,500 all purpose yards. Now, the reason why Williams makes more sense than Carter is based on his size. He's, he's built with a broad, powerful, and rugged, plenty of tread left on the tires, just 366 carries. Um, you look at, um, He's a terrier behind the pads, creating yardage by battling and uh, and discarding tackle attempts. So when we talk about third and two, fourth and one, um, again whether Kyler's in the shotgun or he's in the pistol, this is a guy that can get the short yardage. I think he would be a great compliment. And I and again, depending on what the Cardinals do in the first round, I would think he's just, I think he's going to be a second round pick. Carter's a little bit different, um, just for what the Cardinals needs are. I I think uh, Javante Williams comparison
0: Kareem Hunt. Okay, he's listed 5'10", 2'10", talking about Javante Williams. And in the love-hate pro football focus, I found this interesting, that of all the players in the ACC last year, and there were some very good ones, pro football focus had Javante Williams as their ACC player of the year. So he grades out very, very well. And it is a specific skill set, and specifically to what the Cardinals are looking for, If he's available there at number 49, I would not have a problem with Williams being the pick, even though, as we talked about it at the start of this show, running back for me is not very high on the list of priorities as far as positions to address. But sometimes when guys fall and you're sitting there on the clock and you look at your list and you're like, okay, well, that's just too good to pass up. That's great value. Javante Williams at number 49 would be that guy that would provide great value.
1: All right. Since we've been doing superlatives, I did get this from Pro Football Focus: best home run speed, uh, Travis Anthony. Travis, best power back, Najee Harris. Toughest to bring down, Javante Williams. Best hands, Najee Harris. Best route runner, Demetric F- uh, Felton from UCLA. So when you start talking about toughest guy to bring down, that's Javante Williams. Now. Some of his weaknesses, needs a runaway to gather and cut on stretch plays, uh, acceleration through the line of scrimmage. Um, but again, I, I think he'd be a great complement. Now, he does have a tendency to drop the ball. He drops passes from time to time, but has a route running and protection toughness, so take over a three down. Um, he could be your third down back. He's good in pass protection. Now, you normally want to throw it, but th- th- he, he's got to work on his hands if he wants to be a full-town Uh, three down back, but right now they're looking for a guy to pair with Chase Edmonds.
0: All right, let's continue. MJ's top 50 draft prospects as we unveil picks 50 down to 41. And checking in at number 41, another player that could be in play with the Cardinals second round pick. It's a linebacker, junior Nick Bolton out of Missouri someone who's got great accolades coming out of the sec a two-time first team all sec second team ap all-american and the reason why i say linebacker as far as the cardinals at 49 and an inside linebacker because that's what nick bolton would be you look at jordan hicks and then you look at isaiah simmons and then who's behind those guys uh no nothing against what the cardinals have on the roster tanner vallejo ezekiel turner that is a position that you need to project forward. Maybe not this season, but in the seasons to come. So Nick Bolton, Bird Game, pay attention to his name as far as an inside linebacker is concerned.
1: Yeah, Bolton's father, Carlos, played football at the Louisiana Tech. Uh, he's being compared to Denzel Perryman. When you think of a strong, forceful inside linebacker, Bolton's the type player you'll be envisioning. He's going to He's going to fall below the typical NFL starter standards from a size standpoint, but his rugged frame and forceful demeanor will help make that a very tough with a physical edge plays with a demeanor that teams look for in the middle field savvy with instincts to diagnose misdirections identifies and communicates well with his front seven heavy hands and good pop to take on blocks. So another, I, I, I like where you're going here because you know Jordan Hicks is getting up there in age. We know that you know he's coming here and he's the captain of the defense. I think eventually they're going to try to turn things over to Isaiah Simmons, not this season, but maybe in the future. So, um, here's a guy that you know he's pretty smart and he's 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 got a good credentials and you know it's just a matter of you know the Cardinals feel like inside linebackers in need. I know what you're saying. Um, you know I look at Jordan Hicks getting up there in age. Not that he can't play uh, for the next couple of years. You know I don't know about Evan Weaver, but you want to, and again, that's what we're doing here. You mentioned earlier the Cardinals signed Devontae Campbell. Well, they signed him to a one-year deal, so now they got a guy they plug and play. And Isaiah Simmons—that's what you want to do if you, you know, if if Jordan Hicks is going to be on the roster for a year or two, you want to have somebody in place versus going out in free agency and overspending. That's the beauty of the draft.
0: Yeah, you build through the draft and kind of fill holes in free agency. All right, so the five picks or the five draft prospects that we just discussed, Tutu Atwell, Davion Nixon, Rondell Moore, Javante Williams, and Nick Bolton. That caps the first 10 of the top 10 as we count it down from 50. And the uh, first unveiling is in the books. MJ, that was a lot of fun. I know you put a lot of work into it. And again, great research material for the bird gang. And of course, if we are right, on any of these being the selection at 49, you know, we're going to pull the tape from this show and say, look, we can be general managers. It's, you know, it, maybe it's a little bit easier than what we give everyone credit for.
1: Well, last year, I mean, we had the top 30, and we had Isaiah Simmons third overall, and we had Josh Jones 30th, and the Cardinals got two of those guys, and they got one in the first and one in the third and the cowboys they they drafted two players in the top 30 and this year the reason why i went to 50 is because the cardinals don't have a third round pick and they have the 49th overall pick they could move down they could move up so i just thought it would go a little bit deeper and again i think that what you're saying is really true you know we hear about the top 30 guys or top five guys at each position these guys are going to get drafted these guys will play on sundays this is a matter of when but this is what teams need to do you build depth and then you know when you're drafting 16 you hope that guy comes in and plays but at the same time as you mentioned your needs in april and may are much different in november and december so um, again just trying to learn some names versus the names that you hear or just look at mock drafts that have first rounds
0: of course the flip side of all this conversation mj if there are no players that are picked on your list then we've got another conversation that we need to have because well maybe get some new scouts to help you come up with your top 50 list
1: yeah well again they're not making the picks but they're starting to play i guarantee you uh on my list you'll have two cardinal players in the top 50 now i'll i'll further more on that i can't guarantee that i i i feel confident i feel confident how about that the cardinals if they stay where they are move down and get another pick Uh, That changes because based on needs and everything, but I am confident that they'll have two of those top 50 players.
0: And I am right there with you. I I trust you, MJ, and uh, we'll continue this unveiling. Next show, we will go 31 to 40 as we count it down to where I'm guessing a lot of the quarterbacks will be when we get to picks 1 through 10. Bird Gang, if you enjoy what you're listening to on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, we invite you to subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast. That way you never miss your favorite shows. Cardinals Underground, the Big Red Rays, the Cardinals Red Sea Report, and of course this show, Cardinals Cover 2. Just go to azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information.
1: Ah, uh, there was a sighting in 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 Ahwatukee, the biggest cul-de-sac in the state. You know, you know the late Pedro Gomez. He's kind of the mayor here, even though I've been here a lot longer. You know, Gamble thinks he's a mayor, but anyways, uh, Larry Fitzgerald was in the neighborhood, just a mile away from the Cardinal facility. Now, I don't want to start any rumors, but he was at a uh, you know one of the uh, restaurants uh, that had the uh, Monday night national game on. So, uh, I found out through my sources somebody let me know he was there. And I said, Larry, I live in the hood. Where was the invite? And he says, you live close to the facility. I said, yes. And I I said, I hope he had a good time. And he, I don't know who he was rooting for, but he was there with their boys,
0: but he was, I live, he was like five minutes away from the house. See, we could have had an exclusive here, MG on Cardinals cover too. You blew it. I mean, what? I didn't blow anything.
1: I, first of all, he doesn't tell me what he's doing. Um, in hey, he's,
0: he's not telling anyone what he's doing,
1: <laughs> but I, I, I mean, it was, it's, it's like five minutes from my house and he got you know, what he always tells me. Cause I, you know, people post stuff. Like he took a picture with a guy and he had his mask on. He took the ma- I, I want to make this clear. He took a picture with a guy. Um, and he took his mask off. Uh, but he, he always says to me when I send him stuff, he goes, how do you know this stuff? Like. <laughs> Where, where where do you know list? I'm, I'm like, people just post stuff and I send it to you. And um, he's sometimes he's surprised what I hear.
0: Well, you are dialed in, MJ.
1: <laughs> no, more for Larry, though, things I hear and stuff like that. He's like, how did you hear that? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I, yeah, But I, I still haven't asked him
0: what he's doing. Probably a smart... Decision on your part.
1: I don't. I mean, at this point, I'm still going to go with. I think he retires. I don't think he plays anywhere else. I don't know what he's waiting for. That's his prerogative. He, they told us he's going to take some time. I guess he's taking his time.
0: Oh yeah, he is certainly taking his time as we speak here on April eighth, not knowing what Fitz is going to do. Before we close out this edition of Cardinals Cover Two, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. I know you wanted to get into this as we look. Now to 2022 and the NFL draft, and I'm not gonna pretend to know how comp picks are figured out, but Darren Urban pointed this out in a blog post this week on accardinals.com. Comp picks go to the teams that lose more quality free agents than they sign. And right now, according to those that follow this very well, and at least in a lot more depth than I do, Cardinals right now projected to have three comp picks, one in the fifth round and two in the seventh round. And Darren does a good job of breaking it down as far as why and why not as far as more because of a Kenyon Drake or Hassan Reddick. Those two signings get canceled out because of the additions of A.J. Green and Matt Prater. Again, it's for me, it's, it's convoluted. Just at the end of the day, MJ, tell me how many more additional picks the Cardinals will have, and as we know in 2021, they did not get any comp picks.
1: I thought Darren did a wonderful job. I mean, great breakdown. You know, I, I mean, I follow it. I don't know the exact formula. I know if you lose players and you sign players, but also there's a window where if you don't do it, um, you hold on. And and I thought if Patrick Peterson signed a nice little contract, that they would get a third round pick. The NFL changed that rule, so now it goes to a five. Instead of a third, so all season I've been saying if they lost him, that wouldn't be accurate because according to the new rules, that would be a five. Yeah, it's basically who you sign, but also there's a window where you don't want to sign any guys because it affects the formula, and that could be what the Cardinals are going through right now. And, you know, you know, maybe you know a guy like uh, James Connors waiting for after the draft. Be careful. Teams start drafting players. They don't need you now.
0: Yeah, that's – Richard Sherman. I... Yeah. He, he...
1: I mean, he's not the same player, but he can bring veteran leadership in there. And, you know, I don't know if he can play every snap anymore. He's waiting till after the draft. But we're going to see 25 corners get drafted. So that's where – and teams – I mean, the Patriots, the Ravens, they are masters of this formula when it comes to signing players because you're going to see the draft and you're going to see Belichick and the Ravens have a third-round pick, a fourth-round pick. So Cardinals, you know, over the last couple of years, haven't really focused on it. But now – When you're sitting there at five or six picks, on paper, if they have seven picks right now, they would have 10 next year. And that's something you can wheelie and dealing. Unfortunately, it's a five and two sevens. But um, go check out azcardinals.com. He breaks it formally down. He explains it to a T, which to me is the best I've read. And, of course, Jason over the cap does a good job. But I thought Darren really hit on it to where you can understand it and you can comprehend it.
0: And keep this in mind as well, Berg gang, that this is free agency if a player gets released and signed i.e jj watt malcolm butler that does not factor into this formula and sometimes you know we lump in jj watt into free agency yes he was a free agent but he was released and that is the difference so cardinals are not penalized for signing a jj watt or a malcolm butler again it's (laughs) at the end of the day We're all focused on it because the more bites at the Apple, the better. And six is not great here in 2021, but maybe in 2022, you're up to nine or 10. And then, of course, you know you get these comp picks. So how many comp picks do the Cardinals get? I don't care how it's decided. Just tell me how many.
1: Yeah. And and usually they they announce those at the combine. And unfortunately, we didn't have the combine this year. But, you know, listen, they gave up picks for Hopkins and they gave up pick um, for Rodney Hudson. So... Um, anybody they would have drafted, you just you don't never know. You're projecting what they're going to do in the future, but I'll take the sure thing. And Hopkins giving up picks, and also Rodney Hudson.
0: All right. So if we're talking about the 2021 draft class, in addition to the six new faces, you can say Rodney Hudson, a third round pick, DeAndre Hopkins, a fourth round pick, and Marcus Golden, a sixth round pick. I'm going to make sure I remember that when we evaluate the entire 2021 draft class.
1: Well, I did that last year when the Cardinals didn't have a second round pick or whatever it was for Hopkins. Yeah. So, I mean, again, you want to you want to stack some draft picks. We know it's a 50-50 crapshoot. It's no, it's nothing's guaranteed there. Uh, we can project and, and figure it out, connect dots. We just don't know what's between the ears and what's
0: inside the chest. All right, MJ, this was a lot of fun. Draft prospects numbers 31 to 40. We will do that on our next show. It's certainly a lot of fun, and again, some names to keep in mind as the Cardinals certainly look at first-round and second-round picks. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jurecki. I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.